So uh, it is Father's Day, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll start with uh, a story um, that will probably be fact-checked by my dad, because he's here this morning, uh, so we'll talk afterwards. I might get this wrong. But when I was a kid, um, dad would go on trips sometimes, and uh, whether it was hunting or trip, fishing trip or, or business trip, I didn't know. I, uh, I was little, so I, I didn't know all the details, but... I do know that sometimes when he would come back, he would bring something for us, just kind of a way to kind of ease back in to uh, the routine of having dad around uh, after having him not around for a few days, right? So uh, one time, um, he brought home a, a, a toy for us, and uh, the toy that he brought home is, uh, I hope we have a picture, yes. <laughs> so if you're around my age, you might know that this character is Stratos. And he was part of the Masters of the Universe collection of action figures. My brother and I were really into Masters of the Universe. We loved these guys. We had probably a couple dozen of them. And, uh, and we had the castle set, a couple of castle sets, and, um, and vehicles, and all the accessories. And so uh, we got Stratos. Um, but I remember being a little disappointed to get Stratos. Um, because he wasn't this one. He-Man. Like, He-Man was the one that you wanted to have. He-Man was the main character of the story. Um, there were multiple versions of He-Man that you could buy. Like, they wanted you to keep buying He-Man. And, you know, Saturday morning cartoons had convinced me that this is the one you really want. Because uh, he's the center of everything. He lived in Grayskull Castle. He transformed from mild-mannered Prince Adam into this warrior. Um, so, nobody wanted this Stratos, you know, even though he could fly. Or, or Ram Man, even though he could knock down walls, or the heroic Tila, or the inventive man-at-arms, or magical Orko. Orko, by the way, was like the equivalent of Jar Jar Binks to the Star Wars universe, okay? <laughs> Nobody wanted Orko. Um, anyway, my eight-year-old brain, heavily influenced by these commercials, always wanted He-Man. Now, of course, Stratos became a favorite uh, eventually, and got a lot of playtime. My imagination, you know, worked all the characters together like Andy with his toys in Toy Story. Every toy had a part to play. And I promise you that this is relevant to what I'm going to talk about this morning, too. <laughs> and I promise you that I'm not going to sing You've Got a Friend in Me uh, from Toy Story. Let's, we'll keep going here. Um, so we're in the middle of this series of messages getting to know the Holy Spirit God within us. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit very often, and I think he prefers it that way, but if we want to know God more fully day by day as we follow Jesus, we need to talk about this person, the third person of the triune God. Jesus told his disciples and us that the Holy Spirit would be with us, would empower us. The Holy Spirit shows up in many ways throughout the Bible, even in the Old Testament, as Steve discussed a couple weeks ago, and especially in Acts 2, an event known as Pentecost that Brett Yon talked about on Pentecost Sunday. Um, last week, Brent talked about what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit, and this morning, I'm going to talk about the various gifts of the Holy Spirit. The main passage that we're going to look at is uh, 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote to, uh, and, and Paul wrote most of the New Testament letters, but he wrote it to the church in Corinth, specifically. That church was started about 50 AD by Paul, so uh, he... He met a few people in Corinth, and he began this church, and then a few years later, we think that he wrote this letter, 1 Corinthians. A few things that you should know about Corinth, where the church was located. It was an old port city, 
It saw a lot of traffic from commercial boats. It was known for a variety of vices, including prostitution, sexual immorality. The culture around the church was steeped in sin and idolatry. Corinth also, about 200 years before, was destroyed by the Romans and rebuilt as a Roman colony. Um, It was populated by former Roman slaves, taken from all over the known world. And so uh, Corinth, the church of Corinth, was multi-ethnic. Because of these things, Paul probably wrote several letters and made personal visits to help them address issues that came up as a church. If you read the letter, you'll see that Paul starts several sections of the letter with the words, now concerning fill in the blank. So it's a letter of correction and rebuking some of the ways that the church had missed the mark of what it means to follow Jesus. People were, the the church was asking him questions and he was helping them to figure some of these things out. So this is how we see Paul start chapter 12, where he uh, writes, now concerning spiritual gifts. I get the sense reading through Acts and the letters of the New Testament, uh, Testament that people inside and outside the church noticed the gifts of the Spirit. Just cruising through Acts, we have disciples speaking in unlearned languages. We have Peter healing a man who couldn't walk. We have a couple named Ananias and Sapphira who try to lie to the disciples, and each of them falls over dead as a result. We have a woman named Tabitha being raised from the dead, again by Peter. Acts 5 summarizes it this way, that the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. There's even an account of a man named Simon offering the apostles money to gain some of these powers. So it's no surprise that Paul has to send the Corinthians some thoughts on how the Holy Spirit moves. Surely they were curious and maybe making some of their own assumptions, so Paul wrote this letter to correct and to teach. So, starting with chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read this, uh, these first three verses here. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It sounds like there is some question first about who has the Holy Spirit in them. And who does not? One commentary I read suggested that there was a rumor that someone had heard someone say Jesus is cursed while speaking in a tongue, um, speaking in a language that they uh, didn't know. And, and someone understood this and said that the person speaking in the tongue said Jesus is cursed. So Paul is saying this can't be true. And from there, Paul begins teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. So continuing in verse 4. Now there are different gifts but the same Spirit. There are different ministries but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. Three statements here saying slightly different things. It's interesting to me that Paul brings the persons of the Trinity from verse 3 into these statements. Um, So the first one is spirit. We have spirit in verse 3, and then it shows up in uh, down below here. Um, That word is pneuma, and... um, and I, I, I just bring these up because I think that Paul is an excellent writer. Like, as, as one who really loved English class and loves reading good writing, I think Paul does a, a cool job here. Um, the second is Lord. We see Jesus is Lord in verse 3. And then we see uh, the same Lord down below. That word is uh, kurios. Um, it's where we get the phrase like, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. And then finally, uh, God 
We have the Spirit of God in verse 3. We have the same God that works all of them. That's the word theos. So he pulls all three of these down in. So there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are gifts, and these are gifts, and while they might look different from person to person, it's the same Spirit of God within each of us. We all have that Spirit in common. There are different ways of serving, but the same Lord. Paul specifies that these are ministries or acts of service, and immediately refers to Jesus as kurios. Remember that Jesus taught us that whoever wants to be great must be the servant of all. Whoever wants to be Lord must be the servant. So this word for ministries is diakonia, which is where we get the word deacons, which is an office in many churches, but it simply means one who serves. If you serve at New Cove in any way, then you're a deacon. You minister to others. And then the third statement. In the NIV, it's, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. The parallel language here, working and work, are two forms of the same word, a word that looks a lot like the word energy. Um, The first means something that is wrought or some effect operation, and then the second is the operative It's the one putting forth the power. So again, Paul is trying to be crystal clear here. Uh, This is God working. The works, the gifts are the result. It's It's easy to be fascinated by someone being raised from the dead or a lame person being able to walk suddenly. Paul reminds us that there is a God of infinite power who works above and beyond our understanding, who is now working through us by the Holy Spirit. Next, Paul goes through a list of some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I say some because this is an incomplete list. There are three other passages that are really relevant to this teaching, but let's look just at 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another's interpretation of tongues. One and the same spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. So to be clear, Paul lists the following spiritual gifts. So I'll kind of fly through these. A message of wisdom, this is kind of like wise counsel. Um, some people can just hear a little bit of a situation and speak wisdom into it and help you make a decision or understand things better. Um, A message of knowledge is an unaccounted-for knowledge of something. Like when Peter spoke to Ananias in Acts, he knew that Ananias was uh, being deceitful. Faith. We We have people around us, I'm sure you can think of someone, who their faith is just solid. It just, it, it's immovable. Um, we have somebody on the worship team who's like this. No matter what storms are coming her way, she just can speak and, and uh, communicate and, and feel a deep faith in God, and that can encourage others. Gifts of healing. I've, I, I don't know that I've ever seen this in person, but I have seen miraculous recoveries that leave doctors puzzled many times. Um, performing of miracles. These would be miracles other than healing. Uh, Paul is just including all of these kind of unexplainable things other than the supernatural power of God working through us. Prophecy is the ability to speak truth to a person, whether it's something yet to come or something um, that's not yet known to a person. Distinguishing between spirits. First John 4 talks about 
this in more of a general sense, distinguishing between the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood, something that all believers can do. Um, But Paul seems to be talking about something a little bit different. Maybe it's being able to more specifically identify different spirits. And then we have different kinds of tongues and interpreting of tongues. Um, They go hand in hand here. And these are not heavenly languages. Paul is speaking about uh, speaking unlearned languages. So a language that I don't know, but I'm able to speak it somehow and someone else can understand and interpret it. Later in this chapter, Paul lists uh, roles. He lists uh, apostle and prophet and teacher. These are callings, and they're part of this conversation too. They're, they're roles for people that are gifted in particular ways, and they become specific offices or responsibilities within a church. So the other passages that, that talk about spiritual gifts that we don't have time for today, uh, Romans 12, 3 through 8, Ephesians 4, 7 through 13, 1 Peter 4, 10 to 12. I'll reference them a little bit later. But um, when you pull all of these together, there's... 22 distinct gifts or callings of the Spirit. Again, I don't think that that's an exhaustive list, but here's the 22 that you can find in the Scripture. We'll put them all on the screen here for a second. Um, do we get them all on the screen? We're just going to get them uh, piece by piece. So, if we look through these a little bit, the question, uh, the question that, that the Corinthians seem to be asking is, which gift is the best? Which gift would you want? Which is the he-man of the list? See? I got back to it. Which is, which is the greatest? Like, which is the one that everyone wants? Is it, is it uh, speaking in tongues? Is it um, healing? Is it distinguishing between spirits? Is it teaching? Did people really want to be the apostles? I want to point out that, that there's some gifts that, that feel almost common, but they're called gifts of the Spirit. Uh, giving, on the next screen there, yeah. Uh, leading, exhorting, that would be a word of encouragement. Uh, Jim's prayer this morning was encouraging to me. It, it stirred something in me that I can only point to the Spirit of God uh, speaking to me through that. So, based on how Paul goes on, I think... The question that the church at Corinth was tossing around is, which gift is the best? And there does seem to be a little bit of a hierarchy um, in gifts. In both Ephesians and twice in 1 Corinthians, Paul lists apostles, prophets, teachers in the same order. So maybe there's some strategy to some of these gifts. But does that mean that they're the best gifts? Does it mean they're more important? This is what the Corinthians were wrestling with. They could see the gifts in each other and perhaps... Through miracles, healings, speaking in tongues, prophecy, they, they wanted to have these things. And this became a point of argument or maybe jealousy or, or at least division between them. So how does Paul answer them? Which gift is the best? <laughs> Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we are baptized by one spirit and one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? 
If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that were weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You are the body of Christ and individual members of it. We're all in this room together, and we're looking at the word of God together. So which part of our bodies is most important to this task? This is the question that Paul is, is addressing here. Is it, is it our eyes? I see most of you looking up. Some of you are looking down. It's cool. Um, is it the eyes? Like taking this in, taking in the scripture? Is it, is it the ears if you're more listening? If you're, um, if you're listening to this to a podcast later? You know, is it the ears that are most important? It, it's got to be the brain, right? Because the brain is kind of taking all this in and processing it. It's pulling in memories and thoughts and connections and insights, and, and it's, it's processing all of this. But then, then again, what would the brain be doing if not for the, the senses, our sense of smell and hearing and seeing and, and touch? The brain has to have all these parts to, to take all this in. And then there's the fact that we're, we're sitting here or standing or we're looking at this. There's, there's posture. There's, there's our back is, is holding us up. Our, our heads are, are turning and, and, and all the movement, the body that, that brings us here, right? Which part is most important to the task? They're all important. And that's what Paul is getting at. The, the foot can't say it doesn't belong. The eye can't say that it doesn't need a hand. Every part of the body is unique and it's important. And of course, he's talking about the body of Christ in this as well, the church. Every gift of the Spirit is important. Every unique member of the church is important. You are important to New Cove because God has gifted you uniquely, because you are needed and because you need others. A few years ago, uh, Pastor Brent and Brett Yawn and Jeremy Papa, they introduced an element into New Cove small groups called edge groups. Um, every person in the small group led part of the meeting. One person led the prayer, one person brought a moment of worship, one person led the discussion of the passage, one person hosted. I loved it uh, because for one thing, it brought to mind a Greek word, laetergia, which is where we get the word liturgy. It refers to priestly duties, but for the early Christian church, this, was, this meant the work of the people. Worship was the work of the people. Everyone had a part to play. Everyone brings something to the gathering. And this is where Paul goes later in the letter, as he's talking about how all these pieces fit together in the gathering. Um, to belong to Jesus, to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit, means that you belong to the body. And so you play a part. Whether you're a hand, a foot, an ear, or an eye. Whether you encourage, or teach, or lead, or are given wisdom or discernment or deep faith. You are important to the body of Christ. You have a role to play. You're not a side character. You're integral. Let me share a few things real quick that are common from all the passages of the gifts of the Spirit. First, 
The gifts of the Spirit stress the importance of both unity and diversity. Look at that last verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Both are important, unity and the diversity. In his book on discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls attention to this. He writes, The church is one. It is the body of Christ. At the same time, it is the multiplicity and community of its members. It is the Holy Spirit who brings Christ to the individuals. It is the Spirit who builds up the church by gathering the individuals. The Holy Spirit creates the community of the members of the body. And, and they retain their individuality. Uh, a hand doesn't slowly become an eye in the body of Christ. God has created you uniquely and gifted you uniquely for his purposes. Culture elevates, uh, culture elevates the individual. You know, find your truth. Define your own success. You have the power within you to do whatever you want, to be whoever you want to be. From an early age, we teach our kids how to be independent and self-sufficient, and this is a, a very cultural uh, value. Institutions, on the other hand, tend to lean towards conformity of members. Do things this way, dress this way, act this way, agree to these terms, be part of and represent the, the, the institution as a whole. The beauty of the body of Christ, the beauty of the church is that we as individuals find our identity and our meaning and our purpose in, the, in Jesus. The fullness of the body of Christ is found in its diversity. We don't lose our individuality. Our individuality finds fulfillment and contributes to the purpose of Jesus. The second thing that uh, is common in all these passages on the gifts of the Spirit is the gifts of the Spirit are not for ourselves, but to build up the church. This is clearest in Ephesians 4, where Paul writes, He, Jesus, himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. God has poured out his Holy Spirit on each of us, so that we can equip each other for ministry. The gifts aren't meant to be used selfishly for personal gain or attention. They turn us toward each other. We are made to be in community, helping each other grow in Christ. Now, I know we, we read something like this and we think, well, of course, we should all work together and, and help each other. But sometimes this involves giving more than you get. Sometimes it means the strong helping the weak Sometimes it means that the strong have to be dependent on the weak. It's not just about tolerating each other. It's about working actively for the peace and the well-being of the body as a whole. Remember, 1 Corinthians 12, 25 to 26 tells us that God made the church this way so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So we serve each other. When you look at Jesus, when you look at the way that he lived and built up those around him, it only makes sense that we would do the same. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given so that we might live like Jesus, serving each other and our neighbors and the world in a unique, loving, and creative ways. Uh, finally, the gifts of the Spirit are given according to God's measures and purposes. 
Don't get caught up in comparing your gifts to others. This is something else that Paul is communicating really clearly to the Corinthians. God always gives these gifts according to his purposes. And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who follow him. So even in this, we need to trust God. He knows what's best for you, for me, for New Cove, for the capital C, church. Whatever gift you've been given, it is important. And it's not worth comparing it to someone else's gift and saying, I wish I had that gift. I wish I was more like that. God has gifted you. Whatever gift you've been given, use it well. Romans 12 says, according to the grace given us, we have different gifts. So if prophecy, use it according to the proportion of your faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching in teaching, if exhorting in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Everyone wants a faith like Paul who sang praises to God while he was in chains. Everyone wants to speak with the authority of Peter. But God has already made Paul. He's already made Peter. You don't need to be them. You need to be who God has made you to be. And that might include some of these gifts in common with with Peter and Paul. Um, But I think the thing that I take away from this passage is just to seek God and ask him, "What what are the things that that you want me to do? Who, God, have you made me to be? Ask the Holy Spirit to work in you and, and see what God begins to do through you. When we trust his plan, when we find, we find peace and we find contentedness and purpose and joy, we rejoice with the whole body of Christ because we're all in this together. Let's pray. Let's ask God to speak to, to this. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would... Um, Give us insight into how you have gifted us uniquely, into how you have called us to be one with the body of Christ. Show us how we can encourage and, and help each other, build each other up in the fullness of Jesus. I pray, God, that, uh, that we wouldn't forget um, who you are and that you have called all things together to your purpose, that you call all things to your good to our good. I pray that, uh, that you would give us wisdom and, and help us to um, speak to one another in ways that um, bring out the Holy Spirit in each of us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, if you'd like to ruminate on this a bit more, uh, there is a study in the Bible app that goes a bit further called Spiritual Gifts. It was created by LCBC Church, and if you're on the Bible app, you can find this uh, link. Uh, It's a five-day reading plan and devotional plan. It goes through the passages that we didn't get to today, and uh, and the link is in the Bible plan notes this morning. We'll put it on the website. Um, Let me turn.